Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Did you check the first panel? It's full of gas, sir. We checked the whole truck, asshole. There's nothing in it. And you're out of your neighborhood, big city boy. I want your badge. I want your weapon. I want your ass. Who in the f*** do you think you are? Thinks he's Rambo. Rambo is a f- No, it's snowing. Oh, action movie rewind on today's Mackie and Judd Tango and Cash. It's a movie. It's definitely a movie. We're going to talk about it. We'll get to Judd's keys. Declan fishing for a good question uh, point here, trying to climb the standings. Quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated introducing My Shield, your personalized online destination for risk management resources for your business. My Shield is available twenty four seven. And can be accessed from a computer, tablet, smartphone, or the MyShield app. MyShield's customizable dashboard organizes resources specific to your business on training, billing, employee certificates, safety videos, and much more. If you want to find out how MyShield can help your business, go to federatedinsurance.com and click on Meet MyShield. At Federated, it's always our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. What's the matter, Ace? Got a little headache? You crazy guy! What did you do with my car? I did it from Perestroika! Welcome to America! So excited for this. Tango and Cash. Sylvester Stallone. This is like Sylvester Stallone's creativity on methamphetamines or something. In this it might movie. have been, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll get to action when we rewind here. <laughs> Judge shaking his so head. So many thoughts. So <laughs> many thoughts. So little time. Uh, but let's get right into it. The Vikings have their biggest game of the season this weekend. They've crawled and scratched their way back to 500 at 6-6. Six and six. If the playoffs started today, I believe they would play the Packers, right? Yes, the correct. seven seed versus the two seed. Yep. And if they if they can beat the Buccaneers and Tom Brady on Sunday... Then they would, I believe, secure the six seeds. So they can they can climb up. It's amazing how we were talking about tanking for Trevor a month and a half ago, and now it's like, how high can they climb in the playoff standings? So Judd's keys, wake up! It's time to come out. It's time to unveil your keys to a Vikings victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, we are sticking with four keys. It's been the formula for quite some time now. So we are sticking with the four keys to a victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa, Florida on Sunday. As usual, we will start at the bottom and work our way up. Interrupt me when you have thoughts. Sure. <laughs> Key number four. A shot of Bailey's. All right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> 
So we're starting off strong wow. here. We're starting off very strong, and here's why. Wow. So Dan Bailey went into last Sunday's tilt against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 26 of 27 on extra points and 10 of 12 on field goals. And despite the fact that the Vikings special teams had been a mess going into that game in various areas, Kicking was not one of them, and that was extremely important because kickers and kicking is one thing that clearly drives head coach Mike Zimmer up the wall. Well, then, unfortunately, uh, Bailey missed um, a a kick near the end of regulation that uh, was nowhere near the uprights, as far as I could tell, and also missed two extra points. Now, here's the problem, okay? Kickers do go into sort of slumps at times. And, and Bailey's a veteran, and if he is in a little bit of a rut, that's not the end of the world. Unlo- uh, unless you kick uh, for the unless yeah. you kick for the Minnesota Vikings. There you go. In which case your head coach, Mike Zimmer, has no time for your struggles. He has no time for the hiccups. He just goes into a rage, basically, if you struggle. So what we need in Tampa on Sunday afternoon is a good, strong shot of Bailey's to make sure everything here works. Cause if it doesn't, it causes the type of meltdown that we've seen from Zim previously. So I, th- I, I, so Dan Bailey, when he was with the Cowboys for the first six or seven years of his career was statistically one of the most accurate field goal kickers in NFL history. I think he was like second in the NFL historically going into his last season in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of, he had just kind of a blah season his last year in Dallas. He only made 75% of his kicks. All right. Well, that was just a blip, right? Dan Bailey's fine. Vikings are going to bring him in reclamation project. Well, his first year with the Vikings, he only made 75% of his field goals. He missed 7 of 28. Then he rebounded last year. He made 93%. And now this year, he's only missed three. But he's also missed three extra points. Yes. So he's missed six kicks so far this season. And so Zim's starting to get a little bit tight. Yep. And, starting to get tight. And what happens is there's there's a lot of times in football, I feel like, where... Hard coaching is the way to go, right? You need that. You need your uh, defensive end to just be more aggressive, you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah. But then there's other instances where you just need to pat someone on the back and and let them know during a period of adversity or they're going through a blip or something. I think Carson Wentz seems like this type of guy where it's like he's in Philly, the fans are all salty and East Coast, and they're booing him, and even though he can't hear it because the stadiums are empty. And Carson, you, you just want to put your arm around Carson and be like, dude, it's okay. You're talented. You're going to be fine. And I think kickers tend to be like that, where they go into a, a, a bad stretch of three or four weeks, and they just need a coach to come up and say, hey, man, dude, you're the man. You're Dan freaking Bailey. You are you are the no. best field goal kicker in NFL history. Like, block that crap out of your head. You're going to be fine. And Mike no. Zimmer is not that coach. <laughs> Correct. At all whatsoever. Correct. Which is why he needs a shot of Bailey's. They both do. <laughs> so, so Dan, so no Dan Bailey's going to be upset. He's got to figure this out by himself, basically. Is yes, doing. yes. So that is key four. Key three, <clears throat> the Kendricks conundrum. So Eric Kendricks was, he tweaked his injured calf in pregame warmups last Sunday against Jacksonville. Yeah, tweaked. And because of the tweak, he did not play. Tore off the bone. Well, that might that actually might not be wrong because the worst news now is that beating Jacksonville without Kendricks might have been more difficult, but it was certainly possible because the Jaguars came into that game with one win and ten defeats. Uh, Tampa is seven and five; they're a far superior team, and Kendricks didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday. And the Friday practice, as we know, is ordinarily 
uh, basically the one where you go through stuff, but you start to pull back. And so really the game plan is installed in practice on Wednesday and Thursday. So if you don't play, it doesn't mean, or if you don't practice, it doesn't mean that you can't play for sure on Sunday, but it looks like a long shot. Um, and the Bucks, obviously with Brady, like to throw to their tight ends, which includes uh, Gronk and Cameron Brait. And those would be the guys ordinarily that Kendricks would be responsible for to a certain degree uh, in trying to slow down. And all of this put together means that instead of Eric Kendricks, it looks like there's a good chance that Todd Davis, who had been with Denver before he signed with the Vikings at some point in time in the past few months, would get extensive playing time. In other words, it's the Kendricks conundrum. If Kendricks can't play, if Kendricks can't play, my feeling about the Vikings should have a good chance to win this game definitely declines quite a bit because he is a massive potential loss. Do we feel like Eric Wilson is ready to cover, let's say, you know, Gronk is like 65% of peak Gronk, right? He's he's had a couple big games this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact... The last game against Kansas City was, I believe, his biggest game of the year. He went over 100 yards for the first time. He's not the Gronk of old. Is Eric Wilson ready for that? I think he might be, but I, I also think that if you're playing a guy like Davis a lot and Troy Die a lot, I don't know that Eric Wilson can make up for the fact that you, instead of it being Wilson and Kendricks, it's now, let's say, Wilson and Davis. Yeah, there's there's so some problems. It, it takes it takes away a guy who is probably equally as important a, as Harrison Smith, right? Like those two guys are your guys. Yeah, I think I think Eric Kendricks and Smith. I think Eric Hendricks is their best defensive player right now. I mean, Daniel Hunter is of the guys who've played this right. season. He's gotcha. the best defensive player. So. So that was key three, the Kendricks conundrum. Key two to a Vikings win in Tampa on Sunday. And this is a key, but it's a question key. Consistent Kirk? Phil's guy. The what? Go go through the litany of uh, nicknames. Mr. Game-Winning Drive. The Dagger Doctor. The Late Game Luminary. The Colossus of Clutch. The Fourth Quarter Pharaoh. The Secondary Slayer. Kirky... McClutcherton, the deficit demolisher, the number one deficit. Creed fan, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Except he won't pay the money to hire him for the backyard party, <laughs> even though he makes millions of dollars. So so key two is based on this. The Buccaneers, we know, can stop the run. And that doesn't mean that Dalvin Cook's not going to be used, but it does mean that there's a very good chance that the Buccaneers are going to have success in Stopping the Vikings run. What they struggle against much more so defensively, Phil Mackey and Declan Goff, is the pass. They're 22nd in the league against the pass defensively, giving up an average of 255.8 yards per game. All right? Now, I think the important thing here is you don't abandon the perception of the run game because play action stays important, right? So Dalvin Cook is a threat, but the reality is... I think from the Vikings' standpoint, this game has to be worked inside out, which is Dalvin Cook is a threat, but Kirk is the absolute key. Now, when I introduce into the formula of this key, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, this does become realistic as far as what your potential to generate offense and points is. Um, To me, it starts with this. It starts with the offensive line. 1,000% 1,000% improving on its performance against Jack, uh, Jacksonville. I believe Jacksonville went into the game on Sunday with a league-low 11 sacks in 11 games, 
and then proceeded to hit Kirk a career-high 14 times and sacked him four times on 50 uh, dropbacks. Tampa Bay, sixth in the National Football League with 34 sacks. Mm -hmm. In other words, the the offensive line is going to have to hold up its end of the bargain. But I do think that we're going to find out, consistent Kirk, can Kirk continue on the path? Um, And there's an argument to be made that if he does get the protection, that he should. And uh, one more nugget on that Tampa Bay pass defense. So... uh, they, they actually pressure more than they get home. They're fourth in the NFL in pressure rate. They just don't get home quite as often as some of the other teams uh, that, that generate a lot of pressure. So they so they they generate pressure on one out of every four dropbacks by opposing quarterbacks. And they're so. going to blitz a ton. Yes, they are. They uh, I've got that, too. They, they blitz 40% of the time. Wow. So Vikings offensive line, be ready. 40%. And we wrap up this week's edition of Keys. For the right now in the playoff picture or in the playoffs, Vikings. Key number one, leave Brady boiling. Leave Brady boiling. Zim has the ability against good quarterbacks to come up with game plans that absolutely work, right? He'll introduce packages that that they have not seen. He'll move personnel around. Now, it's tougher now because as... Phil said you don't have Hunter and you definitely are missing key guys. But that doesn't mean that you can't come up with something creative. Brady is 25th in the National Football League in 2020 in completion percentage. He has shown a propensity, I think, during the course of his uh, struggles at times in 2020 to get frustrated, right? Zimmer is a defensive mind who can take a quarterback like Brady or Rodgers or Breeze and frustrate them. The best thing that could happen, if you are a Vikings fan, here's the thing that you are rooting for on Sunday. And it doesn't have to do with in-game. It has to do with post-game. Boiling Brady doesn't go shake the hand of smiling Kirk. Because oh. that means that you've done your job. You know what? This whole thing about, that's Bush League of Brady. You know, you don't care about that one bit. What you want is smiling Kirk looking for TB12 and TB12 to have a run off the field because he's boiling. I think that, you know, so he stuck around to shake Pat Mahomes' hand, but then there's been other games where he hasn't stuck Jared around. Jared Goff was yeah. the last big one where people got mad because I think it was a primetime game. So there's, a, there's a certain level of quarterback that he respects enough to stick around and shake their hand. It, it will, Kirk and might not qualify. after this game ends, I would I would think that Tom Brady would have enough respect for Mr. Game-Winning Drive. Don't count on it. The Dagger Doctor, the late-game luminary, but the you want him not, clutch. You want him off the field. You want him to be PO'd. Yeah. I'm, uh, and Kirk's like, where's TB? And TB's nowhere to be found. That, my friend, would mean the Vikings have won the game and moved into the sixth seed in the NFC. And if they win the game... It launches a whole new series of conversations on Monday. This is one of those games where, like, if they lose it, they're not officially, officially dead. They probably have to run the table in their last three. If they win it, now we're having discussions about those teams on Purple Daily. We compared them to those wild card Super Bowl winners. Can they really run the table? 72% playoff odds that they beat Tampa Bay. Wow. According to 538. And then, but it drops to 21 if they lose. Do you have their Super Bowl odds? Do not. We should find that for later. That. Let's, know what let's, let's wait to see if they beat the Buccaneers. How about that? <laughs> if they beat How the Buccaneers, that? we will dust off Super Bowl. But those are the right. keys. Those are the keys to a Vikings victory, starting with my favorite, a shot of Bailey's. I'm not a Bailey's guy. 
I can't do it. What? No, I don't like it. Um, you don't like I, wine or Bailey's? I hate wine. Well, number one, I hate wine. I, uh, but I don't like I, huh. coffee. Is delicious. I don't like coffee liquor. Like I don't like really. Kahlua. I don't like Bailey's. Like Christmas morning, you don't like no. a shot of Bailey's in your coffee? No, not at all. I'd rather put whiskey. You in. know what? A little Dex- Bailey's in your Cheerios? No. God, no. <laughs> I feel like Declan's tastes though are going to evolve. Oh. See, I think by the time you're thir- 35, sure. 40, I-, I bet you'll enjoy just a little shot of Bailey's in that coffee. A little shot of Bailey's. In fact, I got my cup of coffee right I think, here. You know, when it comes to wine, I-, I I didn't really appreciate wine as much until I was in my 30s. So, like, the last five years, slow sip a little glass of wine. I've gotten into the red wine lately. Mm. You know, LeBron James takes baths in red wine because it's supposed to help you health-wise. That'd be just nice. Saying. Yeah, imagine how much money you have to have just like have like seventy five bottles. Does he get the boxed cash. wine? <laughs> get the boxed wine and t- take the it's thing and tear it open yeah, and stick it in the tub. Who has to sit there and hold the button down like nineteen times to fill the bathtub? <laughs> that person is probably very well compensated yeah, for that. Sure. Uh, Declan, you're uh, you're telling us before we get to action movie rewind that you think you might have a good question point. I I might. Okay, I so might. the standings going into the last three weeks of the season here, Judd. Has has I think taken his first lead of the year here, Judd, with his good question from Gerson Rosas. Good questions, good points, all count the same. Judd, you have twenty three on the season. I have twenty two. Rami with nine. Jonathan had three. Declan, you've had one so far, tied with Courtney at one. So this would be your second one of the season. Get out of the cellar, Dex. Yeah, I'm trying. What do you got? No check swings here. Okay, here we go. This was Sean Aronson yesterday. Sean Aronson, the St. Paul Saints. The fun is good mm-hmm. motto. Obviously, now that you're not independent anymore, you're now with the Twins. Th- does that change at all? I-, I know your promotions team does an awesome job every single season. I don't know. Does, does that, does the promotions and, and, and the wacky stuff Station. you do, does that change at all with now that you're a AAA team with, uh, with Major League Baseball? Yeah, I'm actually very happy you asked this because it is the biggest question we're getting right now. Are you guys going to change? <sighs> It's a hun- wow! I, I got a wow, dude. Oh my! It's a gray God. area. Do you, man. you want to talk about this, oh film or get God. my thought immediately? You, what's your What's your immediate thought? This is not a good question. No, no, we can't. We can't do it. <laughs> we can't oh, stretch the rule. Okay. Play it again. Okay. Play it again. Okay. Oh man! Oh, first of all, before you play it again, okay. great job by you, just like buttering him oh, yeah. up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Learn from the best here. Okay, here we go. Yeah. The fun is good. Mm-hmm. Motto. Obviously, now that you're not independent anymore, you're now with the Twins. Does that change at all? I, I know your promotions team does an awesome job every single season. <laughs> does does that does the promotions and, and and the wacky stuff you do does that change at all? With now that you're a Triple A team with uh with Major League Baseball, yeah, I'm actually very happy you asked this because it is the biggest question we're getting right now. Are you guys oh, going to change? Oh, dude, it's it's not. It's not. It's the biggest question. Yeah, and he's happy you asked the biggest question. It's a big question, but point. it's not a good question. Ugh. It's not a great question. Okay. It's not an outstanding question. The superlative has to be how great the question <laughs> Basically, was. Basically, you know what? And he's I saying think... it's, a, it's a big question, and I'm happy you asked the big question. I think he sort of mm. minimizes it, too, by saying everyone's asking this question. Wow. He's like, so close you're the that. latest clown. I'm glad you asked this question, you clown. You're the latest clown. Uh. Am I funny like a clown? Do I oh, amuse you? man. Dude, that was close. I mean, great job by you. You're you're fishing for these good questions. Trying, man. <laughs> Maybe you can. I just wanted a couple more. I'm not trying to catch you guys. Why don't you? No, I got you. I'm trying it, to break the tie with Courtney. And for for the audience, if you want to hear Declan sit down with Sean Aronson, who's the he's been the longtime voice of St. Paul Saints baseball, 
you guys talked about the transition from independent leagues to AAA and the new partnership with the Twins. So if you want to hear that, it's on the Mackie and Jeb podcast. Can I say this quickly? I am extremely excited about this. Me like, too. Like, That'd be awesome. I, I know that big picture minor league baseball is being changed, and it's not necessarily a good thing because towns have lost their team. So I completely get that. But just selfishly, from like our standpoint, <laughs> there's no downside to us. Listen, for us. I, I'm Zero not, downside. All this gripe. Baseball is taking way too much heat for this. So just real quick. Baseball had like 120 or 130 affiliates yes. over low A. It was actually, it was, it was more than that because it was rookie, uh, league. rookie leagues. And there was like two different rookie leagues. Yes. Then there was low A, high A, double A, triple A. And some teams had an extra team than others. Yep. And baseball came in and said, "All right, this is kind of a mess. I know that we're gonna we're we're gonna piss off some of these partners, but we're gonna get more uniform. It's gonna be triple A, double A, I think, low A, high A. Still, yes, right? yes, they flipped that, but yes, you're correct. And we're just gonna have one associated with each team and do it that way. And so there's gonna be some odd teams out. Yeah. They've organized it. This is better for Twins fans in this case because now you have a a, a regional connection right next door." For the AAA team. And, and guys so, can drive down the freeway now. And yeah. Sean brought this up, too. Yeah. I mean, how many minor leaguers, too, you know, if, if let's say you're you're Alex Kirloff. So let's, I, I'm going to assume I'm going to start in Rochester, New York. I buy, I rent a home or I buy a house in Rochester, but then I get called up June 1st. I'm in Minneapolis for the next four months. I'm here for the stretch run. Now these guys can actually live in the city and yeah. the state where their major league and AAA team is. Also, there were yeah. times, this is more the old front office, I don't I don't think Falvey and Levine do it this way, but there are definitely times during the Bill Smith and Terry Ryan front office days where if they were, like, Nick Punto pulls a hamstring and he's been out for a couple of days and the Twins are on the West Coast and they're like, oh my God, <laughs> such a pain in the ass. There's like one flight from Rochester to Anaheim and it's got three connections uh, we'll just wait a couple days, and we'll just deal with it when we get back to Chicago or back to <laughs> Minneapolis. And they and they would make decision roster decisions based on how much of a logistical nightmare it was to get from Rochester well, to New York. Cost to money, places. yeah. And yeah. now it's like probably at least you've got, you've got an airport that that has you know it's one of the biggest hubs in the country, and so you can you yeah. can get prospects places if players get hurt. The thing too is in the old park, right? Like this this bad baseball, but it's fun was fine, and and the game itself. You didn't care. Like, you'd go drink and you didn't care, okay? Mm-hmm. But the first time, I think it opened in 2015, when I went to CHS Field, the first time, I'm watching the game. And, like, the you know, I mean, again, God bless them. They're trying. But it's, you know, independent baseball. And I'm watching this game in this ballpark that is just gorgeous. Like, it is a yeah. boutique ballpark mm-hmm. that is damn near perfect. And I'm like, I should care about this game. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a game that... <laughs> This is a ballpark that deserves a team where I should at least be invested in saying, I'd like to watch this game. I should know these players. Yeah, and I right. think we left in the third because we're like, okay, this just, you know. Ate a couple hot dogs, 18 got the experience. 18 to 17, yeah. who cares? Yeah. So, so I do think that the whole thing as far as the experience and the Saints experience shifted greatly with the move. And now I like the fact that we can go to that ballpark and watch the game and actually care about the players and the game itself. Amen. That's gonna be it's gonna be super fun. Uh, do you guys want to dive into tangoing cash here? Ready? Should we do this? <laughs> do it. 
<laughs> little action movie rewind. Doing here, you almost got yourself killed, pal. Really? I'd say it's the other way around. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I pull this trigger and your throat's hanging off that wall behind you. Really? You pull that trigger, I'm going to blow you in half. You got the visual? You are f***ing deluded, pal. You never had a chance to hit him with that gun. No, not with this one. With this one. <clears throat> you know me, huh? Yeah, you're, you're the second best cop in L.A. That's funny. I hear the same thing about you. Why you stay off my case? What makes it your case? I've been on for three months and makes it my case. <laughs> Mark, you said shows how stupid you are because I've been on it for about mm, half an hour now and here I am all caught up with you. Stay off my case. Nice tie. Welcome to the party, pal. Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... You get the feeling things are about to get bloody? Could... Look, Cash, if one of us doesn't make it back, I just want you to know that you're the best cop I ever worked with. That's something I want you to know, Ray. If well, if you don't make it back, and I do, I am going to date your sister. <laughs> I enjoyed that line. That was, that was pretty good. Tango and Cash, 1989. We are, I believe, on to our 37th movie here on Action Movie Rewind, where we do deep dives into some of the greatest and also corniest action movies of all time. Every single week, we put four movies up for vote now on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey. One of them is a listener submission, and then the other three are from the three of us. This was Judd's submission from last week, and it ran... Going away on the poll, Tango and Cash, 1989. Here's the details. Police officers Ray Tango, Sylvester Stallone, and Gabe Cash, played by Kurt Russell, are narcotics experts working to bring down drug lord, I believe it's pronounced Yves Perret, played by Jack Palance, the legendary Jack oh, yeah. Palance. In an attempt to stymie their efforts... Perret sets up Tango and Cash, making it look as if they've killed an FBI agent. Arrested and put in prison, the two cops formulate an escape plan and, once out of prison, team up with Tango's exotic dancer sister, Catherine, played by Terry Hatcher. Oh, yeah. In order to clear their records and take down Perret once and for all. 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics' consensus this is going to be a new thing we put in every single week. Critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, where they just summarize like all the different reviews. Brutally violent and punishingly dull, this cookie-cutter buddy cop thriller isn't even fun enough to reach so bad it's good status. So, they loved it. Uh, $54 million bloated budget. It was supposed to be like a $30 million budget. We'll get to some of that. $54 million budget turned into $120 million at the box office. Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Jack Palance, the lovely Terry Hatcher. This is what this is her second ever movie, and then she was a kid. Yeah, yeah, she went on yeah. to star in uh, the Adventures of Superman. Yep. She was Lois Lane in the '90s, and then Desperate Housewives. So she's been all over the place. What was your key takeaway from Tango and Cash, Judd Zolgad? First of all, I would like to apologize. Um, I'd like to apologize because up until now, I feel that my submissions for films have been fairly solid. And, you know, I mean, yeah, they, they've been either good, good action films or just so bad that it's fun to talk about. I mean, because the Seagal catalog is brilliant. Um, the review that you just read is spot on. OK, it's spot on. <laughs> I don't it's, know if you have to apologize. It's yeah, so, I don't know either. This is so bad. It, it It's so bad, but it's not bad enough to be good. Uh, my key takeaway was was. This was, in fact, this in a film, I believe it was called Always. 
were released in late December of 89. And they were the last two films released uh, of that decade. And Tango and Cash finally jumped the shark of buddy cop films, which had been pushed. I mean, it had been pushed to the brink, right? Like, like we had gone far down that path. But you know what? I mean, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, 48 Hours, Lethal Weapon. They had all done a pretty good job of finding their niche. And, you know, I thought we're, we're pretty damn good. Uh, this one jumped the shark completely. Uh, I mean, I feel like I look I th- forward to this discussion, but my key takeaway was, was as is stated in the uh, summary of how this film went, it came off like the complete mess that I guess it was behind the scenes, which we'll get to for sure. But yeah, I mean, that's, was- but it, but it, it reflected. To me, yeah. it was reflected. It is kind of funny. You mentioned like the jumping of the shark of buddy cop movies. Turner and Hooch came out the year earlier. So they, they had gone through all the different iterations of buddy cop movies. And then they then they even went to like, what if it's instead of two cops, what if it's a cop and a dog? And that, you know, yeah, which the, I've not <laughs> seen Turner and Hooch, to be fair. OK, it's Tom Hanks and a dog. OK, is what it is. Well, but it this was I mean, my God, it, this was an experience. I will say that. <laughs> Um, I would say my main takeaway from this movie is just how self-aggrandizing Sylvester Stallone had gotten in his career at this point. <laughs> I mean, Sylvester Stallone had become one of the biggest stars in the world at this point, writing and and directing Rocky. By, by this point, there were four Rocky movies in. There were three Rambo movies in. And there was a couple other movies mixed in there, too. And he had just become, like, the biggest action star of all time. And this movie, to me, is basically... Take Rambo off the ticket, because Rambo's a different character. He He's basically, in all of his in all of his non-Rocky or Rambo movies, from, like, this point through, you know, like, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot was another one. All these corny movies that came out in the next five or six years. He's playing a variation of Rocky Balboa in all of these movies. This sure. was, this was hey, like so yeah. his Rocky Three character who's sort of classy and wears suits and is chiseled and protective as a cop, right? Yeah. Like that's basically yeah, totally. when, when he's in Cliffhanger, it's Rocky from Rocky Four who's climbing mountains and wearing no shirt and like and and now he's a now he's a cliffhanger guy. Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> and as much as I love Rocky movies and I love Sylvester Stallone, he's such a bad actor. Horrible. It's so well, bad. And the problem is, is that the more involved that he obviously gets behind the scenes, the worse the film becomes. Yeah. And it's, well, in some cases, like he's trying know, to rewrite it and all that. The projects that he's directed throughout the years, you know, mainly Rocky and Rambo have turned out to be blockbusters. So he, he can be a good director. Right. But what's the key? What What's the single most important thing to, to the success, in my opinion, at least of the Rambo franchise? He has no dialogue, basically. Sure, That's fair. <laughs> I mean, this is like Stallone on on dialogue steroids. I knew this movie was going to be a trip. (laughs) In the first 10 seconds, the opening line of the movie, before they even show anything, it's just like a blank screen. Mm -hmm. And the opening line of the movie, and mind you, this was a mess behind the scenes, but they had like six or seven months to sort of figure out, all right, what's our entry point for this movie? What's the first thing we're going to do in this movie? Yes. And they landed on Sylvester Stallone saying, okay. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. That's the opening line of the movie. And then it so it's it's a black screen and it's the music stops. Okay. Let's do it. And then they and then they show Sylvester Sloan in a car. It's like 
The whole thing is just like an ode to Sylvester Stallone. And, and you know what's sort of Rocky. weird? What's weird about it too is if, if you thought this through and you were independently asked to cast the parts, you would have cast Kurt Russell in the Stallone role and Stallone in the uh, cash role. See, I disagree. I think you're thinking Rambo. I'm thinking Rocky. And he. this is who he was in Rocky 3 right. and Rocky No, 4. but I'm thinking of, of for the sake of the film being as good as possible, which this was not. I think because if, if Russell had been the dressed up, like he, he, is, he is a superior actor. Like it's not even close. Yeah, but he's not exactly like an he's Oscar a much award better winner. Herb Brooks, man, he was yeah. great. He's no, really fair. good. Yeah, that's fair. He's he, really good. That's good. He was good at her. But at I mean, Brooks. like if he was the dapper cop, I think it works a little bit more. But but Stallone was never going to allow that, so it didn't matter. Dex, what was your main <laughs> takeaway from this movie? Uh, this is one of the most over the top, ridiculous, <laughs> least believable things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. However, all correct. I was here for it the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Were you really? Usually, I'm the guy who would poo-poo this kind of movie, I feel like, of us three. And I'm kind of shocked how much Judd mm-hmm. walked back his pick because I think he would embrace it. <laughs> it was just awful. And it, and it, and it is, but it is so awful, it is good. Like, I, I was actually into this movie from start to finish. I thought the pacing was good. I have nitpicks, but... The pacing, I, the pacing to start was really good, yeah. I thought. I, I do agree with that. I was here for it. I love the action. I was completely here for it. I liked it. That's hilarious. I thought I thought the 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 biggest tell of this film to me as as far as the absolute mailed in nature of the characters and actors was I thought Jack Palance was like Oh, okay, I'll do this. Jack Palance, <laughs> by the way, played the exact same character in uh, without as much of of a role yep. in Batman, which I also think came out in 1989. Oh, he yeah. was sort of the bad guy in this big, glamorous late 80s office with where like there's a desk and a bunch of couches really? and stuff, and he's got a sauna in his office. <laughs> yeah, okay, I've never seen Batman. Right, you're oh man, ooh, I don't want to see Batman. Don't make me watch dude, Batman. Which, I, I don't. The I Michael don't wa- Keaton Batman is. I don't want to see Batman. Get nuts? Let's get Let's nuts. Get nuts. Jack Nicholson. I know you yeah, hate Jack. you hate comic movies. Though, yeah, I, so I, I, superhero I hate comic movies. books. Yeah. All right. Your favorite thing about Tango and Cash? Mine was was um, at the start with the soundbite that you played. I thought that Stallone having the ability to rip Rambo was awesome. <laughs> like I thought that line was hilarious. I, I actually liked it because but that that just goes into like the it's just the self aggrandizing. Yes, right? I know. Well, let's, let's throw in a Rambo reference I just because everyone's going to love. But it. that's what made. But Ooh, like yeah. I like that. Like that's and and plus I'm sure he he thought you know I I'm really good in Rambo, but I mean I guess I can do this. But just say this line is pretty funny. Uh, but that's what I liked. I, I I mean you have to you have to embrace almost the worst moments of this film to enjoy it. And I will say this, the one thing that it definitely had uh, was, and I'm surprised now they did know when to stop it. Like this could have been two twenty. I could have easily oh seen, God. but I mean, I could have easily <laughs> seen Stallone say, saying this is a great action film. It's a great comic, you know? Uh, so I appreciate the fact that they cut this film off when they did, but my favorite was, was the fact that Stallone at least poked fun at his characters from from other films because that was pretty. So good. this was this was a one hour and 
44 minute movie which is which so is fine another another category we could <laughs> we, we've done this before but let's say you had to make this movie two hours and 20 minutes you had to add like 30 minutes to this movie oh, there could have what's been. the story arc that you would have gone down to add an extra 30 minutes more terry hatcher probably yeah yeah that's a nitpick of mine i, I could have seen more terry hatcher um you saw plenty of her too. Oh, yeah, you saw plenty yeah. of her. Well, and they, they did get into they did start the action quickly, which, which was great. They could have built it up more. Like they they could have shown uh, Stallone's character and Russell's character behind the scenes more, doing their own thing before they eventually come together. Yeah, kind of show. Uh, I mean, I'm glad they didn't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. Yeah, they probably could have shown a little bit more of like how they became the two best cops in L.A. I know yes. they showed a couple little sequences. Yes, Dex, what was your favorite part of this movie? Uh, Kurt Russell. Because, as Judd said, it it reminds me if Herb Brooks was an '80s action guy. Because like, I kept I kept seeing Herb Brooks as Kurt Russell, and I know Kurt Russell has an illustrious Again. career that is not just Miracle, but it yes, was my does. favorite part because Kurt Russell was just. It reminded me that it was if it was Herb Brooks as an action movie. <laughs> that was my favorite part. I'm not, he's, not exactly. he's got the hockey lettuce in this movie. He does. Too. He's got the he's got lettuce. The yeah, I, I honestly Kurt Russell and just he I liked him way more than Tango. In fact, I would trust him more than Tango if I was needing a cop's assistance. I like I like my I like my odds with cash more than I like Yeah, I don't Tango. understand the overprojecting wearing a suit and a tie all the time yeah. if you're a cop like that. You know, it's just like you're he was, dapper. You, he was a dapper cop. Are you really going to be running as fast with your winged Tra- shoes? He was trading Italian. stocks, man. Yeah. I got to go take this call. <laughs> Very important. Okay, my favorite part of this movie was <laughs> The framing of Tango and Cash and that whole arc, just because of like how campy it was. So, two things that just I I loved, but I was also like, oh my god, off that part. How confident they were throughout the entire process. So, <laughs> these, so these guys are getting framed for murdering an FBI agent by their by presumably their peers, right? Like right. there are people on the inside that are that are doctoring audio and framing them to go to prison. For life, at, at least at the beginning of the discussion, yeah. So, so they can kill them, and the and these guys are sitting there in court, just like making little one liner jokes yep. about the guys who are testifying, and like, well, when, when we, you know, but we're gonna break that guy's neck or whatever. And they, it was like they were watching a TV show or something. It's like, no, your lives are on the line, and they were just like super confident the whole time that it wasn't gonna be a problem. <laughs> You're so right. You know, who, you know who, right. who do you think set this up? It's like, what, you guys are going to go to jail. But <laughs> what do you think? It's like the plot of, of the film and how it was written weren't checked upon. Well, he, yeah. And here's the other, here's the other like, reason I love maybe this Maybe it's not a comedy. So, well, and we'll get to some of that because because there's a, this movie had an identity problem in terms of like, oh, is yeah. it a cop movie? Is it a comedy? And, and there's reasons why. So the other thing about the framing of Tango and Cash is, again, they're being... They're being tried for murdering an FBI agent and corruptly facilitating a drug deal with audio evidence. Okay, so now it's all doctored and it's all a setup. But like they're about to get convicted. And so they've got all this evidence. They've got they've got police officers and experts testifying against them. It's a it's a done deal because they're being framed. And they decide right, we're we're gonna let's negotiate a plea deal here. Okay, let's maybe we can knock maybe we can knock a life sentence off this thing. And they plea it down to 18 months in a minimum security prison? Right. And, of course, they get sent to a max prison. Yeah, and then they get dropped off at a maximum security (laughs) prison, and nobody really checks. So, like, what what prosecutor, when presented with—and, again, I get it, it's, like, fake evidence, but, like, the evidence is these guys killed an FBI agent, and we have 
audio evidence that, that incriminates well, them because the FBI agent had a wire on and they somehow plea down to 18 months in a minimum security prison. <laughs> like what? And the story by the thing, though, that that gave the, the film the opportunity to make it plausible was so they play it down. And then, of course, the judge has to sign off on the plea agreement, right? And it would have been very easy for the judge to say, oh, no, no, that's too light. I'm sending you to max security. But he doesn't do that. So it's like they you, just like incompetently get dropped off at the wrong. <laughs> yeah. Prison. So you could have easily like explained go, going uh, to from club fed to a maximum yeah. security prison by having the judge say, no, you're going to serve your time here. Yeah. But they didn't do that. It's like this thing is filled with so many fixable holes. And so maybe, you know, maybe what they didn't explain well enough was I think this is what makes more sense. They agreed to such a lesser plea deal, the the prosecutor, because they just wanted to get these guys to agree to go to jail so that they could kill them in jail. Yes. Right? Yes, that's what the bad, yes. And so, and then the driver of the bus was in on it, too, and drops them off at the wrong prison, which is the prison they want to take them to where yeah. all yeah. the cronies are at. So, yes. anyways, um, least favorite part of this movie, Judd? Uh, what we just talked about. The jail itself, yes. okay? Yes. The jail. <laughs> what do you mean? They're walking. So they're so they're wa- being walked to their cell, which by, by the way is not where they've agreed to serve their time. But what the hey? And everything's on fire. Like they're walking through the hallway, and there's like not one fire. There's like eighteen fires burnt. Like yeah. everything about the jail, and then they get, and then they get um, basically attacked by the people that are supposed to kill them and it takes forever for the security guard i mean everything about the jail scenes uh include including um hold on a second There's here the, the three- including tango reading a fresh la examiner newspaper and the stocks which what he had just had delivered to his jail cell that part reminded me of judd hey can you stop that well, yeah, that, that was annoying. But didn't you? But didn't you like think? Okay, did he like smuggle in the examiner, or or has he like subscribed to the paper in jail? Everything about the jail was so like implausible and comic book. And again, if it had made sense with the actual plot a little bit, I think I'm more willing to buy into it. But the whole thing just made no sense. And again. I the eighteen fires is what got yeah. me. Everything it's, being yeah. on fire got me. Yeah, I'm with Judd. It's the most least. It, it's not even a believable prison. It's the most least believable prison I've ever seen, dude. <laughs> There's no way this is happening at this prison. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I think I think where it makes well, I was gonna say where it makes sense within <laughs> within this movie is that the remember the the assistant warden came in the guy before he got killed. Yeah, uh, the guy that worked with with Cash at one point early in their careers and said. This is the most like corrupt police force in the country, and right. all the all the workers at the jail are paid off, and so it sounds like they're all just all the people who are supposed to be keeping order are just paid off, and so that's why the inmates are literally running the asylum. And but. I'm sorry the the scene where Cash dresses like a chick <laughs> to get on the motorcycle to get away from the cops, not to objectify or anything here, but th- with those calves on that guy, there's zero chance that's that that. That's a woman. How, how about uh, the cop asking yeah. if there's any chance it, for a, a threesome? Three-way too. <laughs> yeah. It's it also just not believable. Okay, what about – so I, I broke the prison the prison arc down into – there's three scenes. There was the escape scene, which Declan references. Which is another, they grab a white – what? An electrical wire, but yeah. they don't get electrocuted? Yeah. 
Well, the, I guess the escape scene that Declan's talking about was after the prison, but like, Correct. but there's the escape from prison scene where they they're not really sure if they're going to get electrocuted, so yeah. and it's raining and stuff. Yes, and so they slide down uh, the wire across the, the the wall. There's the kidnapping scene where they get tortured, and uh, and like forty inmates and cronies come down to this boiler room area, I right. guess, and. Jack Palance is in there somehow too. He's just like in <laughs> the jail. Shows, yeah. He just shows up at the jail. <laughs> um, and then there's the shower scene. Yeah, yeah. I wrote this down too. Where I'm pretty sure behind the scenes, going back to my initial point about this movie, Sylvester Stallone said, "Yo, yo, if we show our asses in this movie, yeah. it's an extra twenty million at the box office, guaranteed." So this is this to me is Sylvester Stallone viewing himself. As this American sex symbol oh, icon, no question, and I gotta show my ass to the masses that pay eight bucks to watch me in this movie. Lopez has a guy pretend to try and kill me, okay, and then he claims that Quan put him up to it. A Chinese guy feeds me that bogus information about the setup. That way, Lopez figures no matter what happens, I'll think it was Quan all the time. It's Lopez, and now I know it, right? Well, what do you think? I think with your IQ, you're unarmed and still very dangerous. Okay, Sherlock Holmes, if you're so goddamn smart, you tell me who set us up. I don't know yet. Yeah. You don't know. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Relax. Soap. And don't flatter yourself. They're just like, they're they're having this huge empty shower, presumably because they're being isolated away from the other inmates at that time. And they're just standing right next to each other, naked, showering off. Trying to figure out who framed them. It's just it's <laughs> it's it's a one hour and forty four minute cliche. Yeah, like everything about it's cliche. I, mean, I mean, down to dropping the soap. It's just a cliche. And like, that's, that's, that's another Stallone thing. He's like, oh, we would make this seem better if we drop the soap. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> I'm telling you. Stallone did more damage to this film behind the camera than he did in front of it. What was more believable, the prison break or the prison itself? I feel like it was the prison break because like the, the prison, prison break just, for sure. Because yeah. like the prison makes no sense to me. Well, yeah, except for for the fact that the prison break meant I had to jump like catapult myself <laughs> onto I think an electrical wire, right. which hang might on, electrocute. In the rain. Hang on and then take my belt while I'm hanging on and set up the slip slide thing. I mean, the whole thing was just. And look, in these films, I am willing to buy a lot. Like, I'm not asking for, well, that's not believable, so, right? But when you give me everything, is like, what are you even talking about here? And I'm telling you, it jumped the shark. It went too far, and, and the acting could not justify what they were trying to do. So, Dex, was it, did we go over your least favorite thing? Yeah. Okay. My <laughs> yes. least favorite thing is the dialogue in this movie. Okay. <laughs> it is exhausting. <laughs> yes. Nobody Agreed. ever has a normal conversation for even five seconds. Literally every line of dialogue in this movie is fishing for a punchline. Yep. Most of them aren't really funny. It's just like it's 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 like Sylvester Stallone clearly wrote or rewrote all of this dialogue and said, we're just going to aim for like 100 punchlines and we're never going to have a normal conversation. Uh, and so I don't know. I just by the end of the movie, I was like, OK, guys, guys, just have a normal conversation for five seconds. No, no. Yeah, not possible. No, no, he saw he saw if nothing else, lethal weapon, and thought I can do that. Too. We need ra- we it. need rain. We need actually I can do that too. And 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 that film did have good actors. Yeah, I would agree with that. Gibson now, can act. Glover Kurt, can act. Kurt Russell 
is basically good. trying to copy Mel Gibson's entire yes. oh, yeah. look, point. his clothes. Hundred, you're right. Um, you're right. You're right. He's a little yes. bit of a loose cannon. Who's you don't know and, what he's, he's going to do. And he's also like hitting on a, a family member over here, right? Of his partner. You're, yes. It's it's very I didn't very think of much. That, but you, yes, that's exactly right. So, all right. What else stood out to you guys in this movie before we get to some of the stuff from Wikipedia? Terry Terry Hatcher. Yeah, let's let's go there. I, a stripper who drums too. I, by the I way, I couldn't figure out what was like. Was she even needed in this film? She like shows up in the first five minutes, and also like maybe I just missed it but when she's in the in a uh, Stallone's office, like in the in the, her first scene. I couldn't tell if she was she also a cop at first. I know she was her sister. I know that after watching it, but like I never made that connection right away. I don't know if she said it right away. What's that? Yeah, when, why, why? Like what? Yeah, what, what I agree was her with you. point in 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 the in her brother's police office at the beginning of the movie? Like her I'm first scene. Like was sense. she another cop? Was she? Oh a no no no! Girlfriend? She's, was she? Who was she? No, they they want you to to think that it's his wife or girlfriend, and her purpose was to tell him that she was thinking of I think traveling or right. leaving. Um, and so so. She was just, she came in to talk to him and see him. And then she doesn't show up that. again for 50 more minutes in the movie. And then when she shows up again, she's, and she's sh- right middle. An exotic dancer? And then at the yeah. end, she's just like randomly kidnapped by Jack Palance right. and being held at gunpoint. <laughs> like, okay. I couldn't. Which is our second consecutive <laughs> film of a person being kidnapped and they don't show you it and you could predict that they were going to be kidnapped. Yeah. I could not tell at the point. I, I, I don't know if like, did we, did we need her? Did we need her in this movie? Yeah, I think so. Because she's, Sex appeal, right? Yeah, she's she's very good looking. That's it. And in retrospect, she's a star. She her name on this movie makes it bigger now, thirty years later, because yeah. she's she's probably I, I would argue she might even be a bigger star in the last thirty years because of Desperate Housewives and uh, and mm-hmm. Superman than Kurt Russell. Jack Palance is more of a star from like he was City Slickers a couple years later, but more of like and he's been he started well. Shane and all these Western movies back. Yeah, in the she's day. big. Yeah, she is. Yeah. That, that's true. Um, where where Cash gets shot at the end, and he's clearly been shot, and Stallone <laughs> and Tango says, "You okay?" Yeah, but and Cash says, "Yeah, clean exit." <laughs> As if is. If a bullet just goes right through you, well, I guess you're fine. I think he, and I think he also says, yeah, I, I've been shot before. It doesn't feel good. Which is like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, sense. it's like you didn't even need to shoot him. Like by that point in time, you didn't. I had enough, okay? You didn't need to. Clean Amazing. exit. Another thing that's Feeling good. Up, that this, Went right to my head. This could have been a tie for my least favorite thing about this movie. The soundtrack in this movie is so weird. Now, there's a couple mainstream songs. Yep. But mostly like. Like the score of the movie, the the like the music, the the non like pop music that's played in this movie, it's super weird. It's like cartoonish synthesizer music, like you'd hear on Saved by the Bell transitions or something. Do 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 do. You know, it it doesn't fit the but vibe. I think of it's the a movie. Beverly Hills Cop attempt, right? Kind yeah. of, but that's like an it's iconic the, song. Like, do, yeah, do, do, no, do, I know, do, but do, I don't do. think that they. I think that they just thought we're two big stars. Let's just do something, and we'll copy everything. <laughs> And we'll put butts in seats because I'm Sylvester Stallone, and yeah. that's all we really need. Yeah. We just need me, basically. <laughs> okay, production notes. This is where we get to some of the some of the juicy stuff behind the scenes. First of all, a casting note: Sylvester Stallone and Patrick Swayze were initially the two that signed on to star in this movie, and um, that, yeah. Swayze dropped out in the middle of 1989 and went on to star in Roadhouse instead. Which great I think was career a good move, criminal. Patrick. Great career move. And then he was replaced by Kurt Russell. 
So I could definitely see, yeah, Kurt Russell at this time seems like knockoff Patrick Swayze. Like, if you can't get Patrick Swayze, <laughs> get somebody else that has sort of long yeah, hair. Big deal. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Okay, after nearly three months of filming, director Andre Konchalovsky was fired by producer John Peters in a dispute over the movie's ending. In his 1999 book of memoirs, Konchalovsky said the reason he was fired was because he and Stallone wanted to give the film a more serious tone and make it more realistic than the producers wanted, especially John Peters, who kept pushing for the film to be goofier and campier. And as such, his relationship with Peters became untenable. Another reason why Konchalovsky was fired as director was his refusal to agree to what he referred to as increasingly insane demands that Peters had. Konchalovsky said that he was initially hired to make a buddy cop movie with some humor, but Peters basically wanted to turn the whole thing into a spoof without any semblance of seriousness, and Konchalovsky refused, and so they butted heads and he was fired. And that's what this movie feels like. It feels like it's kind of like a serious movie, and there's a bunch of serious bad guys, and yes. there's serious violence, but then the music and the dialogue and some of the the way that they filmed it was very campy and goofy. Behind-the-scenes problems, including filming, script changes, later constant cuts and re-editing of the movie, were so big and so bad that one of the more experienced crew members said in an interview, quote, this was the most worst organized, most poorly prepared film I've ever been on in my life. From the first day we started, nobody knew what the hell anyone was doing. And you know what? It showed. <laughs> it all showed. That's my favorite part is like everything that you just read was apparent. Yeah, it's just it, it like felt there was very nothing about this film that felt like, you know what? They really covered up the blemishes well. Did it? No, it, it was definitely it was fishing. It was fishing for sure. But it, but you know what? I'm with Declan in that you could tell the thing was disjointed and it was kind of trying. It was like a Dick Tracy movie, but then it was like <laughs> it was also like Lethal Weapon. But then it was kind of like a Rambo and a Rocky movie. And in the end, it was like, all right, all right, I, I'm good. I, that one hour and 44 God. minutes, I, I, I'm good. not going to apologize fine. for that. Now, in, <laughs> se- in September of last year, Sylvester Stallone revealed that he has a story written for a potential sequel. The filmmaker stated he is trying to convince Kurt Russell to oh, sign on to the project. Don't do it, Sly. Although he anticipates the film will be made. Don't do it, Sly. I feel like How? Sylvester Stallone has spent the last 15 years just like, let's just go back and let's re-rack Rocky a couple times. Oh, he, yes, let's re-rack exactly Rambo. Right. Rambo, he's done, what, two of those sequels now um, since the, the, what, fourth one got done? Mm-hmm. So answer me this about how was this, how has a sequel not been made by now and in fact how how was a sequel like not made in 1991 mm-hmm. i'm sure like i did watch that film it was such a cluster thinking, behind the scenes probably thinking just, uh... there had to be a sequel right but i mean everything about it screamed sequel yeah except for like nobody who was involved with it wanted anything to do with Dude, it after right. it was over but stallone did and i, I would have thought back then that russell would have gone along because was it, it was not his... a box office failure they did make money. I'm going to bring up Kurt Russell's filmography here because this was like he was. It's pretty impressive. He's done a lot of good stuff. He did Burn on a Wire. Escape I from New York, right? The thing. Escape from New York in the 80s. Is that correct? Let's see. Correct. Here. Yeah. So he actually he started he started acting in the 60s, man. Yeah, he's yeah. really he's very good. So he, was he a kid? He must have been a kid actor. Yeah, yes. He was born in 1951. Yep, so he, he was, was a kid actor. actor. Yes. Um, some of these I've never heard of here. Uh, strongest man in the world. Escape from New York. 
What year was that? Nineteen eighty one. Okay, yeah. The Fox and the Hound. He played. He he had a voice role in the Fox and the Hound. Oh, great movie. The Thing in nineteen eighty two. I'm skipping some of these. Big Trouble in Little China, 1986. That's been recommended by some listeners for that was a hit for this exact segment. Tequila Sunrise, 1988. Tango and Cash. Backdraft, 1991. I love Backdraft. Okay. Backdraft's a great oh. Ron Howard film. That's right. He was in Captain Ron in 1992. What's, Tombstone. What's Captain Ron? Captain Ron is like um, I've seen it like twice, and it was 25 years ago. But he is a I think he's like a like a boat. What do you call a captain, captain okay. or yep. something? And who is it? Seaman. Martin Short's family is like on a boat, and <laughs> Captain Ron is like the guy that's okay in the boat or something. <laughs> I did not know that. Like that. Okay, I wouldn't recommend wasting two hours. He was in Forrest Gump. He played Elvis Presley in Forrest Gump in an uncredited voice role. I don't Hilarious. It's funny. Did not know that. Escape from L.A., Executive Decision, 1996, yeah, he was good. Vanilla Sky, et cetera, et cetera. So okay. he's been in all kinds of stuff. All right. Anything else before we get to definitive bad guy rankings here? No. Should we just dive right into it? I don't um, think so. Okay. I'm all, I'm all good. Yeah. Perrette, Jack Palance, the legendary Jack Palance. Yeah, sorry. Perrette in Tangling Cat. <laughs> sorry, Jack. I'm not going to be too favorable <laughs> with you on this. So the, the bad guy rankings to this point go, number one, Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Number two, Michael Myers from Halloween. Number three, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Number four, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. And number five, Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. We also, I'll just give you the middle section here too. So we can kind of give a like a median. Dom from Fast and the Furious. Victor Maitland from Beverly Hills Cops. Scorpio Killer from Dirty Harry. Colonel Stewart and General Esperanza from Die Hard 2. And uh, Hertz from Shoot 'em Up. The bottom is the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3. That's the, that's the very bottom. Jack Palance is a legend. Perrette is just, I don't know. I think he's like literally top five worst we've done. Yeah, it's just not iconic. There's nothing significant he does. He gets killed super easily. Like he's not really in the movie that much. It's like they basically showed him a clip or clips of the Victor Maitland character and said, "Do yeah. this." And Palance is like, "Nah, I'm not going to work that hard." So I'm going to work my way down here. The, I'm with Declan. The sixth worst one we've reviewed is General Hummel from The Rock. I think he's below that. Sloan from Wanted, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, French Drug Lord from Bad Boys. I would probably put him fifth worst exactly. That's fine with me. He's just among, it was just a it's kind yeah, of a guy. He was forgettable. It was mailed in as you, as much as an actor can possibly, who's great, mail in a role. Yeah, it's too bad. I wanted Jack Palance to, to be ranked higher. Jack Palance had potential to be super that high. That whole thing at right. the end where, where he's watching on, but before he gets killed, where he's, he's, watching them try and go through the maze and he's like oh no no yeah get him no it's yeah. like <laughs> his whole what is that property is being destroyed all of his henchmen have been killed yeah and he's still sitting in there like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna overcome it's like dude everything you've built illegally is about to crumble but right like now. did they so. shoot that scene and it was like he showed up for like and he he's like i got an hour to do this okay guys <laughs> yeah and, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yes. All right. We get to our one through 10 ranking system here. The only two perfect movies we've reviewed, according to us anyways, are Die Hard and Halloween. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Beverly Hills Cop, all a nine or above. Fast and the Furious, Expendables, Top Gun, Roadhouse, Hard to Kill, Rocky Four, Dirty Harry, Bad Boys, Independence Day, and Point Break are all eight or above. 
let me get to kind of the middle of the pack for us. Like the median score for us is like a 7.5. 7.7, okay. 7.5. The lowest scores for us are shoot 'em up as a 2.8. Bloodsport's a three. I still disagree with that. Mad Max 2 is a 3.7. Wanted is a 3.8. Rambo 3 is a four. Yep. So we'll start with Judd Zolgad, one through 10. All right. This film was absolutely positively atrocious. It was, <laughs> I, I recommended it, and I'm more than willing to come clean and say that. Uh, it did qualify. Mm-hmm. somewhat in what we're looking for. But the problem is we, we've got films that qualified so much more and put in so much more of an effort. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. okay. I I will probably go with a five, and that's still being generous. But it like Judd, like Judd said, there's a lot of things and elements in this movie that fit what we're looking for, even though I was very captivated by this movie. I was captivated. Like It, it kept me engaged for whatever reason for how bad it was. But it's a five. It is a five, and it should, if, if our median is seven, there's no way I can put it in the median. I can't do it, so it's five. Yeah, it's a it's a below average. So our average is seven and a half, right? So it's it's a below average movie for sure. I also have it as a five. Okay, but it wasn't like there there are some movies on this list that I would probably just never watch again. Like I'm probably never gonna watch Shoot 'Em Up again. Right. I'm. I don't know. I'm probably never going to watch 48 Hours again. I'm good on 48 Hours. It's fine. Like, if I'm going to watch Eddie Murphy in a cop movie, it's going to be Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, 3, right? Sure. I would probably watch this movie again. I don't know if I'd sit through the whole thing, but if it was on TV, like, all right, oh, the prison scene. This is great. I get to watch the prison scene. (laughs) But I'm giving it a 5, and that gives it an average score between the three of us of a 4.7, making it the sixth worst action movie we have reviewed to this point. So what's below it? Below it is Rambo three. Not a not a good uh, not a good time for our guy. Yeah, that, that was that, oh, that was yeah. not that was not good. Wanted sure Mad Rambo. Max two Bloodsport shoot him up. Just okay. t- actually tied with it is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and then we go up the ladder. Air Force One, Pineapple Express, Forty Eight Hours, Death Wish, The Rock, Con Air, <laughs> Alfred Justice, etc. So, all right, here's what we have for next week. We have I'll give you a recommendation from a listener. And then the three of us are going to throw our recommendations in the ring. Sure. And then we'll do the voting over the weekend on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey. So the listener submission is one of the sound bites, I believe, for, I think, oh. from our intro. Predator. Yes. From right. Cuddy2 on Twitter. Arnold Schwarzenegger movie okay. from, I think, the 80s. Cool. So okay. I like Predator. It. Yeah. I like that very much. Judd? I'm going to keep it in the Arnold family. Wow. I'm going with the original Sarah Connor Terminator. Oh, oh boy. man. The original Terminator, which I looked it up, I believe is 145. It's not that long. No, it's wow. not. But it is a, I, that's a fun film. That's a really good film. Terminator. Okay. Declan? All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to use it. I, with two really good movies here, I, I feel like I'm wasting this bullet, but I could use it again next week or the next time we do it. I'm going with Kill Bill Volume 1 with Uma Thurman. So a lot Kill of Bill, a vi- lot of violence, a lot of violence, a lot of blood. It is one fifty-two, so it's still under our two-hour time limit. I like it. It's a very good movie. Um, I'm a big Uma Thurman fan too. So Kill Bill Volume One. Okay, I can get on board. This is, I feel like this is a strategy game. Because, it is now. It's totally now, strategy. Now that but Terminator's you can on the board, to fire your bullets. I know, but now that Terminator's on the board, I was going to go with another like big blockbuster one. But I feel like Terminator's got has got that turf. Yeah. So I'm going to go with more of a quirky off the wall one and see what happens. Since we're doing the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, Kindergarten Cop. 
Every week you come up with a fourth one and just let yourself get buried. We'll see. We'll see. Strategy. We've yeah. got three no, Audible movies yeah. on here. All right. Kindergarten. kindergarten and, you know, DeVito, right? It's sort of a I'm, – I'm sort of conceding – the Arnold category to Cuddy 2 and Judd here. But if people see Kindergarten Cop and they want us to review it, then we will review Kindergarten Cop on next week's uh, wow. episode. Uh, on our production meeting, are, is this the last action movie we're going to do for a little bit before we like maybe do some Christmas or well, holiday movies? We have to have that discussion. Okay. Um, so next week is the 19th, and then we're all – so next week will probably be the last movie review. We might sneak another one in at some yeah, point. Yeah, but for sure. I think we have to decide – so we're definitely going to do this one next week. Yeah, for sure. But then we can maybe record one for people to listen to over the holidays. And my question would be, what Christmas movie? Like, we we can't just, like, do Elf, because Elf's an amazing movie. Yeah, no, I don't I, want to do Elf. I, I know that, like, you brought up Christmas Vacation. Yeah. I don't, like, I think we're just going to sit around and be like, yeah, that movie was awesome. So it needs to be something, like, kind of campy, Jingle All the Way. I, think, I, think, it, I think it'd be that one. Mall of America, right? Yep. Jingle all the way. Jingle yeah. all the way. Okay. If we all agree that since we're on the Arnold train here, may as well. Jingle all the way. Maybe we can, we'll just do like a separate episode that we can post uh, Christmas week or something. Yeah. All right. I like it. Cool. Is Royce here on? Are we going to talk to Royce here? Yes. It'll be over the phone. Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take a breather here. We'll talk to Patrick Royce. Facility destruct sequence is now Cash. engaged. This clock works backwards. Did somebody activated a bomb? Yeah, I wonder who. All right, how do we stop it? We don't skip right there. Hey, give me a joint, too. Django, we only got 11 minutes. Raiders scored three touchdowns in 11 minutes. Yeah, but they had three timeouts. Yeah, you know, I, I think every game's a measuring stick, and I think uh, this week's no different, but, but I don't think that weeks, you know, 1 through 13 are really any different either. So you're getting evaluated every week, and um, uh, Sunday will be no different. All right, Pat, what do you think? Do you think this is the measuring stick game for the Vikings on Sunday? I do, and, you know, I know it's a cliche and all that, but, yeah, it tells you because when you look at it, Judd and I actually talked about this the other day, they played pretty lousy at home during this three-game stretch where they should have went 3-0, and and they were lucky that they uh, won, won two of them. One of them got handed to them, and, again, Sunday they, you know, Jacksonville was, now the defense made some turnovers and all that, but uh, you know they, they. I think Cousins' good stats and Jefferson and some of that have hidden the fact that they played bad enough to lose at home to three <laughs> lousy teams. So they obviously are going to have to pick it up. Uh, Tampa Bay is a little overrated. Pretty good defensively. Uh, the the one thing you got to be feeling per- fairly good about, I guess, is that uh, that. Uh, they they starting to show a little bit of a pass rush, which could help them out here. So, anywho, if Kendricks can't play, that that's my thing, though, Pat. I, I think it becomes really really tough if he can't play, and he has not practiced, or at least he didn't practice on Wednesday Thursday because of that calf. No, yeah, that's uh, that. What a weird! Did you see the video of him on the sideline there? Just as people showed the video of how he got hurt, he was just kind of doing that. Swing the arms, dance around on your legs, and yep. popped on him. And uh, that is that no is exercise, Pat. That's another reason why we shouldn't be swinging our arms <laughs> and dancing around. No. God didn't but, mean that to, you know, for us to do that. You run out of the tunnel, play ball. Right? <laughs> don't do any of that other stuff. Kick her don't off. Do any of that, don't do any of that loosening up. 
He is a great player, though, man. Uh, he's, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook's your offense, and that guy's your defense. He is, uh, it's amazing how uh, much better he turned out to be than Anthony Barr, who, of course, is not playing this season. But uh, uh, when I look at it, the Barr signing to me is like the biggest puzzle of this team in the last three, four years. The uh, it's just uh, the, the idea that you're going to give him all that money, and uh, and it also shows you the idiocy of the Pro Bowl voting. He was the guy that kept getting voted to the Pro Bowl. Uh, I, I don't understand how that happens. Uh, but uh, and yeah, Kendrick's a great player. You don't want to be without him tackling people. I don't know. Does Tampa have a running game? I, I don't even know. They can run a little bit. I mean, it's they um, they have Leonard Fournette, who is basically their backup oh, running right. back. Um, I mean yeah. – they're they're looking to throw the ball forty yards down the field on Vikings young cornerbacks on Sunday, probably. That's my guess. I don't know if the old man can throw it that far anymore, though. Do you, Tom Brady? You're saying? Yes. I mean, he's looked fairly decent when he gets a clean pocket, but when he gets pressured, it's a disaster because he's forty three. So, and let's face it, the uh, his whole game in uh, New England was built on precision and crossing routes and always having the little white guy to catch the ball running over the middle for 12 yards. And then once in a while, the big shot, but uh, he never, uh, never really specialized in uh, going over the top too much. Uh, so it's uh, it's had to be a change for him, right? The, uh, not oh, that definitely. Great, yes. great possession receiver and uh, that whole deal. And it's certainly been in a Certainly been an adjustment for the Patriots without him, hasn't it? Uh, the uh, they had the they had the bench cam again last night, and they're they are officially not going to make the playoffs now. They're what three games? I think they're three losses out of the playoffs in the AFC. Now, if they were in the NFC, they'd still be in there fighting, but uh, not uh, not over in the AFC. They got some. Uh, it it takes some winning to get over there. You know who I really like, fellas? The Rams. Yeah. They look good. That I'm not a big golf guy, but that is a that is a there's a team that still plays defense. They uh they beat the crap out of you and uh Aaron Donald is everything they said he was and and more. And uh I think I think that might be your Super Bowl team. Yeah, if golf doesn't screw up too much, I think they're really good. That's what his his problem is. He's prone. He's prone to uh, a really bad pick or a fumble. But if he can not screw up, I think they're in really good shape. Yeah, he, uh, it's, it's amazing. They lost twice to the battered, beaten up, diseased Forty ers uh, somehow. But uh, I, I I think that's a I think that's a good team, and I like that kid coach too. I think he's pretty creative. So. I, uh, I think they're uh, with New Orleans trying to play either with Breeze with broken ribs or uh, you know, you know they, they they're doing really well playing very well defensively. But I, yeah. I like I like I like the Rams far better than I like the Seahawks. That's for sure. Hey, even Pat- Russell, even Russell can't drag the Seahawks collection across the finish line anymore. Hey Pat, your your guy Coach K, he's done with non conference games. Duke is out on non conference games. They said, "Well, see you when conference play starts." Now, I would love to blame him trying to figure out how to uh, 
get losses because he's got his worst team since the team that he said, I need back surgery, you go get him, Pete got at the team that finished 2-16 and 16 in the ACC, none of which you can find on that fraud's record. But uh, when you look at who they, who they aren't playing, they basically, by not playing these non-conference games, he's costing himself three wins. Uh, Charleston Southern and Gardner-Webb and somebody else. But uh, as somebody said, you know, I like Matthew Hurt, nice player, but when he's your best player, this isn't the Duke team that, uh, that I don't know, how do they get caught in this situation where their talent level is so uh, mediocre? They, uh, I mean, Illinois beat them as bad as they wanted to. And uh, it's uh, and they lost, you know, they're losing in the home court. Now you don't have the fans in there, but uh, it's, uh, you know, He's, he's, by the way, he's setting it up to pull the plug about four games into January if they're one and three. Don't you think? That's it. Well, he might, yeah. Can you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you later. We're done. Well, yeah, why don't? We got a Duke. We're a little, we're special here, and we got to protect our uh, athletes. And, yeah, uh, you're right. If, it. He, if they start losing too much, he'll bring somebody into the locker room to give his team COVID <laughs> so he can stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> Special guest speaker before the game. Any, 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 yes, right. Yes. Yes. A guy, could you cough a little more, sir? I don't want to have these losses on my record. Boys, it's getting a little, it's getting a little nervous out there, isn't it? Uh, when they, I just was uh, watching 10 minutes of COVID coverage, and uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's sort of a gun sneaky, that's for sure. It's amazing how uh, how we're we're outstripping the world here in cases. Uh, I'm staying home. You know, it's 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 incredible. Yeah, I kind of wish we could just fast forward like six months and just sort of be done with all yeah. of this. But yes, well, I'll uh, you know I uh, I'm I'm thinking of uh, actually entering a nursing home so I can get that first inject inoculation. Though get further move further up the line there, so. It's, uh, you know, it's, join a sports uh, league, Pat. The, yeah, what are they the going to do? Uh, My guy, Batman. Have they, have they bought their own fire? Have they bought their own supply or what? The National Hockey League, basically, I guess it leaked out, is going to try and jump the line and buy a bunch of supplies and get it to all its employees. <laughs> God. I'm not joking. Well, they got to get a hold of the Minnesota Republican legislature. They got to get one of those guys first. So, uh, uh, God, it's, that's, that, that, that is going to be a serious problem for athletes, sports teams when they, they all try to get, you know, get the, uh, do that, get in front of the line and people aren't going to stand for it. And not when you're killing 3000 people a day in this country. So. Yeah. Well, um, and so I, yeah, I, but, uh, that's, uh, they, they don't have a deal yet to play, but they, they're, they're trying to get the vaccines. Uh, okay, well, that's uh, it. What, 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 where are we going to end up, Judd? By the way, we're going to end up with the Canadian division. Yeah, who are we going to end up? So we, so who are we going to end up playing? It's then? looking like the Pacific now. It, it, it was the Pacific, and then it was the Central, and then there was a report last night that they're back to being shuffled out west. So we're going to end up with it's a bunch hilarious. of nine thirty faceoffs. Oh no, no! Oh, I'm sure you're no. sweating that. I'm I'm fine with it. I love it. I'm young, but I love it. 
Or, or it. I, I also saw a report last night that they might start again in a uh, temporary bubble hub type of deal. So who knows? Well, if they can't, if they can't steal the virus from the, from the <laughs> if they, if the hospital workers, if they can't get ahead of the hospital workers to uh, to get their shots, they maybe maybe have to do that. So yeah. Well, Pat, uh, we we got to run, but we'll definitely talk to you live you, from from your nursing home on Tuesday next week. Yeah, if you can find yeah, just don't the get the COVID before you get the COVID vaccine. Okay. Gophers, Nebraska. Who wins? COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Somebody at halftime who's ever losing is going to say we're sick. We're not playing. So okay. Empty mo- empty motivation wins that game between Scott Frost and PJ Flynn. I think he just talked. Well, then we're going <laughs> to okay, then we're going to stop too. All right, check out v- Vikings Ventline after Bucks and Vikings on Sunday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. And uh, thanks to all you guys for getting us over two thousand subscribers. On our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash score north MN. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Mackie and Judd. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit onepeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at onepeloton.com. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.